a lot of times I'll be talking to somebody and they'll tell me why they can't do something. And the reality is, is the reason you think you can't is usually the very reason you should. I'm Skip Pritchard and welcome to Aim Higher. I'm so appreciative of you listening, sharing, and especially rating us on iTunes. We do this show for you and we want to add value to your life. One of the people who added to my life in massive ways is the late Zig Ziglar. He influenced a whole generation of speakers and positive thinkers. I can literally go into a whole section of his talks without stopping for many, many minutes. Side note, my friend Bob Berg of Go-Giver fame, if you've ever heard him speak, he does it really, really well. Well, today I'm sharing an interview I previously did with Tom Ziglar, Zig's son. He had just released his first book, and it's a great overview of personal development. So I will let you listen into our conversation where I know you will get some nuggets to help you along on your own personal growth journey. Well, what an honor it is today to talk to Tom Ziegler. Tom actually hosted me and interviewed me when my book released, The Book of Mistakes, and we are happy that he, well, we're happy for a number of reasons. One, to host you, also because you finally have a book out, which we're gonna talk about, and it is a fantastic book, Choose to Win, and Tom, of course, is the CEO of Ziegler. He worked his way up, all the way from in the warehouse into sales, all the way to uh, CEO of the company. Storied family. Those of you who know Zig Ziglar will know the name Tom Ziglar well. So we are thrilled to have him here. And of course, we have to ask, because everybody asks you this, but it's something you can never escape, which is what was it like to grow up in the Ziglar household uh, was your dad really super positive as he teaches? And what was it like with that marriage with your mom, who he affectionately always called his redhead? What was that like growing up and how did that influence who you are? You bet. Well, first off, dad was better off stage than he was on stage. So as kids, we were just blessed, just amazing. Now, most people don't know, but he was an introvert. So at the house, he was quiet. Uh, he was always working on something, but when the family was around, he was engaged with the family. And mom was his number one account, so he, she was number one. Uh, everything, she was first on all things. And dad said this, he said, you never would have heard of Zig Ziglar if it hadn't been for the redhead. And for those who met my mom, they know he was telling the truth. So <laughs> mom passed away last year in July, uh, 90 years with four bad days at the end. So. We miss her, but uh, she had an amazing life, and those two together impacted millions. They definitely did, and I know she would travel with him a lot at the conferences, and you'd, you'd see when he, when he was talking about his redhead many times, there she was. So you could see that support, and um, they had a beautiful love story, and I think a lot of the parenting and other advice that they would give was from uh, an authentic place. But you were the recipient of a lot of that, so... <laughs> We wanted to see if the test really, really worked. We're going to talk about habits and success, but was there one habit that you picked up from them that had more of an impact on your life than another? You know, there were so many habits. The short answer to that is somebody said, what was Zig Ziglar's secret? And so this is the secret. If anybody wants to know a secret, here it is. He dedicated over 40 years of his life, the first two to three hours of the day, reading, studying God's word, researching, meditating, 
in trying to take information and simplify it so he could share with others for the benefit of them. So the key is, is that, you know, the motive behind it is as important, if not more important than what you're doing. And so he was learning. He loved to learn and he loved to simplify and translate and then speak it in a way that anybody can understand it. But the motive was always to benefit the people in the room. And there's a proverb that says, if, if you water, you yourself will be watered. And I think he decided early in his marriage he wanted to be the best husband that he could be. And so he started reading. I mean, he read hundreds of books on marriage in you know, God's word. And so that was kind of like the fruit of his marriage was simply the habit of intaking that information, trying to understand it so he could teach others for their benefit. And then he's automatically turns into the best father, the best husband you can imagine. That's fantastic. Well, you have so much advice and so many both original thoughts and reflections on what's gone into you and poured into your life from that experience with your parents. Choose to Win is a great book. And it is uh, so interesting, but I, I am curious because you were around that and getting watered for so many years. You're surrounded by personal development experts of world-class caliber for really your whole life. And you read all these books, you interview all these people for your podcast and your own show. Why did it take so long to write this book? <laughs> Man, that, that's a great question. Uh, a little bit is I'm like a lot of people. I live, I live a good part of my life in my head instead of getting it out on paper. And so just good old fashioned procrastination. In fact, one of my one of my good friends, he's, he's my agent. His name is Bruce Barber. And he's like, man, you got to get this book. You got to get this book. So I said, okay, we got to do it. So what we did is we wrote a book proposal and sent it to publishers before we wrote the book or before I wrote the book because I needed a deadline, right? I needed, I needed somebody waiting on it. I guess the reason for that is in my life, you know, working at the company, I've, I've been the CEO of the company for 25 years. And my original role was to put dad and the rest of our team on the stage. I was the, more of an ops guy creating the platform. And people would say, Tom, why don't you speak? Why don't you, you know, why don't you go do that? And I'm like, I got the best in the world, the best who's ever taken the stage. Why would I do that? And then as I grew up and, you know, about eight or nine years ago, I started speaking. I realized I've got a different style, a different personality that, that a lot of people respond to. That was something I didn't know until I did it, and that was refreshing. And so that was part of the whole journey of the book. Uh, but something else that's interesting is I quit reading other people's books purposefully about a year and a half or two years ago because my, my mind is like a sponge. I could quote 100 people, and as I was writing the book, I wanted it to be like my thinking on it. And, and I hope it comes across that way because really – there's nothing new about habits. There's nothing new about choices. There's nothing new about the keys to success. But everything's always changing. The way we relate today is a culture, technology, the, the, the priorities that we have, the pressures and stresses that we face. We all think it's new. And so the goal is, is my goal was real simple, to show people how one simple choice at a time can transform your life. Because in today's ADD world, that's what you've got to see. You've got to see that 
that simple progress forward that gets radical change. Massive change without massive upset is what we like to say. I like that. Well, you, and of course there is nothing new under the sun as we know from Solomon, but I, I'm, you put things in, in a unique way. And I'd love for you to talk just a little bit about the why, what, and the how, because the way you put that I thought was quite unique. You know, one of the things I love doing is I do executive coaching and work with people from all walks of life, normally high level successful people looking at a transition in their life. And they always ask the same question, I'm not sure what I'm doing is the right thing. And when I teach at a program or speak at a keynote, it's the same thing. They'll come up to me, I'm not sure if what I'm doing is the right thing. And the reality is, is the what you do is real important, but why you're doing it is the real key. And so when I ask the why question, you can see this reflection, well, why am I doing that? Why am I doing this job that I've done for 25 years? Why am I considering leaving that? Once you figure out the why, and this is the, the key to that sequence, once you figure out the why, it changes how you do life. And how you do life, when that elevates to the next level, it opens the doors of what? And I'll give you the, an example. I was working with a guy, and he was, he'd been in a, a company for 30 years, senior leadership. The company's been in business over 500 years, you know, thousands of employees. He's like, I think, I think what I'm doing is wrong. I, I want to work with young leaders. And I'm thinking in my head, what, they don't have young leaders at your company? He goes, yeah, I want to work with young leaders. Why? Well, because I see so many of them in their mid-20s to mid-30s, they have all the potential in the world, and then they make these mistakes, mainly in the moral area, that sabotage their career and prevent them from going forward. And I want to help them, and I think I need to leave what I'm doing. And I said, oh, so why you're doing it is you want to help these young leaders. Yeah, so are there any young leaders in your company? Well, yeah, we got a bunch of them. So it was the long-term future of the company based on growing internally your young leaders? He said, yeah. I said, well, you're in executive leadership, right? He said, yeah. I said, you don't think executive leadership would agree that we need to develop young leaders? And it's like all of a sudden he realized that his why was really important and he could stay doing what he was doing, but because his how would be changed because now it's filling the why, he saw all the possibilities. So when you know your why, it changes how you do something. And we've all been there. We've been, well, in Nashville, it's like the heart of the universe for, you know, over-talented uh, waitresses and waiters, right? Because they're all in the city trying to get to the next level. And when you find somebody who's passionate about their why, they give you a different level of service. And, and they usually give you a, a CD as you uh, take your track. Yeah. And those the ones who you know, it, it may not be today or this week, but it's going to happen for them because it's it's energized their how. And when their how is elevated, opportunities, uh, the doors open. Absolutely true. I want to talk a little bit about something else that you reference, and that is the trinity of transformation, which I thought was quite unique. How did you arrive at the trinity of transformation? Yeah, so the, the subtitle of the book is Transform Your Life one simple choice at a time. And I came up with this idea of the trinity of transformation. And there's three words in the trinity of transformation, desire, hope, and grit. And there's a metaphor for this, and it's the illustration is a balloon. So imagine a hot air balloon. In the basket of the balloon, 
that's where you put all your desires. So all your dreams, goals, aspirations, everything in life you've ever wanted to achieve. And then the other thing you put in the basket of the balloon are your skills, gifts, talents, and experiences. And here's what's crazy is when, was when your dreams and your goals start mixing with your gifts and talents, in other words, the way God created you, it lights a spark, and then that fills up the balloon. So the top of the balloon, the round part, that's hope. So when your gifts and talents mix with your, your dreams and desires, then the balloon of hope fills up, and you start to rise, and you can see your future, right? Because now you're applying what you love with your greatest talent and what you want all together. And then as you look into the future of where you want to go, your balloon suddenly stops rising. And it's because the flame is only so strong, and that's where you notice the knob. And the knob opens the furnace, and the, on, the wor- the, on the knob itself is the word grit. grit. So what is grit? Grit is that, you know, get knocked down 100 times, get up 101. Uh, it's, you know, the world says, you'll never do that. You say, watch me. Grit is... 14 years since your last master's victory, surgery after surgery after surgery, keeping your why forefront of what you want to accomplish, coming back over and over again, and then you win. That's grit. So that's how our balloon rises as we turn the knob of grit on the furnace and that white hot flame opens up. That's what gives us the altitude. So in our world today, it's like American Idol. Uh, too many people are working with grit on things that are not their gifts and talents. I'm a singer, just like I hear you're a singer. Now, here's the cool thing. We can both sing. On a scale of 1 to 10, I'm like a 1. I was born a 1. If I work really hard with grit, I might get it to a 4, which means I will never compete with you. I'm just guessing you were born a 6, a 7 with some talent. I'll never comment on that. Yeah. (laughs) And so you, now you work at it with grit, right? You take some lessons, you listen, you learn music, so you raise your talent. And so that's the, that's what we're talking about in Choose to Win is we want to match our dreams, our desires, our, our passions, our aspirations with the natural gifts and talents. So we work on our gifts and talents with grit in the area that we want to go, and that's when that balloon takes flight. I love that you align the grit with the skill and talent because that is so often a problem if people have the grit but it's not aligned to their natural giftedness or skills. So so that's really important. I also like that you referenced obliquely there the uh, recent win, uh, Tiger Woods here with this amazing Masters victory. And I was going to ask you about that offline but I'll ask you on because you of course were hoping at, at one point to be a, a professional golfer. You are a great golfer. I don't know where you'd put your talent on that skill uh, continuum either, but this was a serious effort of yours. So you you know what you're talking about when you watch this. And it is amazing to see that comeback. Just unbelievable. You know, this is how I would compare it. When you look at the top guys on tour now, their athletic talent just alone is probably in that six, seven, or eight range, and they got to develop it up to the 10. And then there's a thing called kind of golf IQ. And so I think I was born naturally with really good golf IQ and very average talent, as physical, you know, like an athletic talent. And so I kind of, I kind of peaked out just below the tour level because, man, those guys are good. So, Amazing. But I gave it all I had, but I also realized that when I put it aside that I'd done, I'd gone as far as, as I could go. You know, that's different than somebody who 
has great athletic talent, great golf IQ, what I call it, but then they've got a mental challenge, right? They've got a they've got a mindset block. When I was working in golf to improve my game, Hank Haney was actually my teacher. And of course, he worked with Tiger Woods and many of the guys on tour. And, and when I was playing, the mini tours hadn't, you know, the Nike tour and, and the nationwide tour and all those hadn't been created yet. And I, I asked Hank, I said, should I turn pro? And this is what he said about the mini tours back then. So this would have been 30 years ago. He said, no, don't turn pro. All the mini tours have on them today are great swings and bad thinking. He said, I don't want you to get corrupted by bad thinking. Very so, wise. And who knows, <laughs> one day, you know, a few decades from now, maybe we'll see Ziggler on the back and you'll do some uh, older tour. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to happen. Well, um, I, I don't want to go through the, the whole book, obviously, but the core of the book, the seven choices plan, and you referenced mindset, and I want to think about just one of them, say mental. Your uh, father's quote, and many of us throughout the world quote him regularly, but you are what you are and who you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are, where you are, by changing what goes into your mind. Uh, talk a little bit about the importance, this life plan, and the different, I guess it's, it comes from the wheel, right? And this mental component as an example of how you go through this transformation. Yeah, so let me give another analogy that's really easy to remember, um, because I, I need to find out who said this quote, because I need to give him credit for it. But here's the quote, a tree's fruitfulness depends on its rootfulness. rootfulness. I know that quote. I don't know who said it, though. So this is how I use it. So think of all the fruits you want in your life. You know, I want a great mindset. I want to think right. I want to sleep good at night. I want to have good health. I want to have good family relationships. I want to have money, you know, debt free. I want the, I want the mountain house. I mean, I, there's a lot of fruits I want in my life. So there's seven roots on the tree. So we have the fruit in the top of the tree. And then below the ground, we have seven roots, mental, spiritual, physical, family, financial, personal, and career. And so to, to create the fruit, we've got to feed the roots. And so mental is, to me, it's the most important root. And that's the question you ask. So what does that mean? Well, the number one lesson I learned from dad personally was to choose my input. In other words, the number one choice I can make, the number one habit I can create is to choose the right mental input. Because when I choose the right input, like dad's quote said, then my thinkings and my beliefs change and those impact what I actually do, my work, my performance, my actions that I take. And of course, all those get results. And so here's the secret. So if mental is the root, what are the habits that nourish the root? That's the secret. So we look at the seven roots, mental, physical, spiritual, family, financial, personal, and career. What are the habits that nourish each one of those roots? And so in the mental world, I choose my input. And so every day, the habit I have is I start off with the right input, listening and reading to uh, some of its devotion, scripture time, some of its motivational, inspirational, educational reading. That's what I do. It's great. And these subtle habits you talk about the book, just micro changes can change your direction, can change your future, can change your year. And you can see that clearly. I saw you recently on a video on your page where you were carrying a can of garbage 
and talking about. Would you let somebody pour this garbage all over your uh, house? Of course not. And yet so many times mentally we take in what's essentially garbage. And so the fact that we have to guard what comes in, but it, it just reminds me of what you were just saying. But uh, fortunately you're not holding up a garbage can today and dumping it. <laughs> but that's yeah. a powerful image. Yeah, that's an illustration of that that I got from dad. But but here's the thing, and this is what I, because I use that story all the time. If somebody broke into our house and dumped garbage in our living room, we'd call the police. We'd have hazmat and the carpet cleaners out there, and the carpet would be cleaner, you know, a day after the event than before it happened, right? Because we all wait too long to clean our carpet. But we turn on the radio, we watch TV, we're in line at Starbucks, we're in a small group and somebody's gossiping and they just dump garbage into our head and we don't do anything. We just let it sit there. And our brain is far more powerful, far more valuable than our living room carpet. And yet we don't protect it the same way. So input is a two-way street, what we allow in and what we keep from coming in. So true, powerful. So you're surrounded with successful people. You grew up in a successful home. I imagine that everybody that works at the Ziegler company is having a great day that's getting even better. And yet uh, so many times in the real world, because I don't think you could be in the real world at the Ziegler company because uh, it's so incredibly fantastic and getting even better. <laughs> but people settle in general. They settle. They settle for mediocrity. They settle for a life of less. They settle for allowing that garbage to sit there. They settle for this negative input. And I'm curious, as you reflect on all the successful people you've been around and seen and read and studied and interviewed, why is that? Why do people settle for less? You know, there's a couple of things. Number one is they bought a lie. And the lie is, hey, you're nobody, you're nothing. You can't do it anyway. Nobody in my family graduated from school. You know, I tried that before and they said no. And so you buy the lie, right? And so that's a hard thing to break. A lot of times I'll be talking to somebody and they'll tell me why they can't do something. And the reality is, is the reason you think you can't is usually the very reason you should. Think of all, I'll ask you this question. Think of all the most powerful, impactful people you've met who have the biggest platform, who are making the biggest difference in the lives of others. And they all seem to have one thing in common. And that is either life happened to them in an unimaginable way that none of us would ever want and they were totally blameless or they made a really bad decision and got to suffer the consequences, later on owned it, overcame it and what they learned on the journey. So in either case, either bad luck or bad decision, the very reason why they shouldn't is the very reason that they have such an impact in the lives of others. And so immediately when somebody says, well, I can't do that because I flip it and I say, that's why you should. Because when you really dig into it, what you learn, it's like in that tree, uh, a tree's fruitfulness depends on its rootfulness. Well, how do you nourish a plant's roots? Well, you get the purest, cleanest living water you can and a big pile of manure and together you get a healthy plant. <laughs> Isn't that how life is, right? I mean, we don't ask for the manure, but it comes. And yet it's the thing that fortifies us and gives us strength that allows us to withstand the winds, right? That gives us the root stability when things get tough. And so that's one of the things that we got to do is we got to convince people, hey, you bought a lie. You can have the dream. 
And the reason you're saying you can't is really the reason you should. That's great. That's a great way to put it. And I know so many people get stuck in their mediocrity and they, they do need to use the manure, use the pure water and let it flow into the roots to create the fruit of their life. Well, we could go on and on and on, but it's mostly important that people get this great book, Choose to Win, because it is a lifetime of experience, wisdom, knowledge, and life applications. And I think it's well worth the wait because it is so chock full of wisdom and actionable items. And it was one of those books that you can read right through, which I did, read right through, but I knew as I was reading it through, I'm now reading it slowly and taking each one because I wanted to get the overview, but then I wanted to take in each one of the concepts uh, as you go. So I, I do recommend people read it fast and slow or slow and then fast, either way, however your mind works. But get the book. Thank you so much for joining us and just sharing a little bit about your book and your wisdom and your philosophy and the, uh, the Ziegler way, because it really has made a remarkable difference in the life of millions of people around the world. Thank you so much, Tom. Thank you so much. And let me just add one habit that's awesome when you read a book, whether it's Choose to Win or another. Two or three books a year usually stand out. If you're a reader and you read multiple books, when you find a book that stands out, read it the second time and write the names of those you love, your family members, in the margins and say, this reminds me of you. Mm, I like that. And then what will happen is that book will become a family treasure. It'll be part of your legacy. And so now you can take a self-development, which is a great reason to read a book, and you can turn it into a legacy building prospect at the same time. And I think that's the way Zig Ziglar did everything anyways. He was always thinking, how can this help me help somebody else? And I think that's an application. That's a little habit that everybody can do, and it's powerful. I started doing that for my family, and it's made a big difference. That's fantastic. And now I just have to ask one last question. Have you found books that your mom or dad wrote your name in the margin that you didn't know about? You know, this is what I found. It was my responsibility to clean out dad's library when they moved from their home to a senior living community. And I had to go through about 3,000 books and we could only keep a couple hundred. So which ones did I keep? the ones that were underlined and marked. I literally found sections in the book of where he created parts of the speeches. Oh, that's where he got the idea. He didn't write names in the margin. Instead, he wrote us personal messages and inscribed books to us. But I took those two things and I thought, you know what, whenever I'm reading a book and I think of my daughter, Alexandra, and go, oh, that's a quality she has. I'm going to write that in. Or maybe it's something that would be good for her to know and her new, you know, whenever she gets married, oh, this is good for marriage, right? I'm going to write that in. So that's what I'm recommending. That's what I do. I love it. What a great tip. So a little bonus reading tip that you can apply to turn your books into a legacy and even more reasons why I love my, uh, my books, which are personal friends of mine, my books. Yeah. They're, not, they're, not just, uh, they're not just books. So thank you so much. Again, the book, Choose to Win, I highly recommend it. It is one of those uh, life advice books that you want to read and talk about and uh, share with those that you care about. Thanks so much, Tom, and uh, have a great day and make it even better. Thanks for listening to Aim Higher with Skip Pritchard. 
check out skippritchard.com for more episodes, interviews, book reviews, and leadership insights. And if you like what you hear, please rate us in iTunes. Until next time, remember, don't settle for the mediocre, always aim higher.